1: Over the past few years, the standard for controversy has dropped quite a bit. For example, only a few years ago, the phrase only women can give birth wouldn't be controversial at all. Now, saying that can get you banished from social media. In reality, it's all a distraction. They don't want us to see what they're actually doing. We're not supposed to notice that until about five years ago. Only about... 0.01% of the population identified as transgendered. Before 2012, there was no scientific literature on girls ages 11 to 21 ever having developed gender dysphoria at all. Now, prepubescent girls account for the majority of cases. What's happened? In 2007, there was only one gender clinic in America. Today, there are over 300. This should be concerning because something is changing. But the left's response to our concerns is to blame us for the problems that I believe they are causing. Discourse is not a part of their tactic. They'll hurl some insults, call you a transphobe, and then they're backed up by the mob, a mob that includes Twitter, the mainstream media, Hollywood, Silicon Valley, and now the federal government right up to the office of the president of the United States. I want to introduce you to somebody very controversial. She's an investigative journalist for The Wall Street Journal, and she has focused on the transgender craze in her book, Irreversible Damage, the transgender craze seducing our daughters. In a move that surprised everyone, the Economist awarded it Book of the Year. I I can't recommend it highly enough. Irreversible Damage. Um, Every parent, every grandparent, especially if you have daughters or granddaughters, um, you have to read this book because something is changing in the world and its author, because she's speaking the truth, the facts, she has become one of the most controversial media figures of our time. Target stopped selling it on its online stores. They've done that two times. Uh, this story just broke today. Bookseller group apologizes to LGBTQIA+. Um, apologies are not enough. We've begun addressing this today. are committed in engaging in a critical dialogue needed to inform concrete steps to address the harm we have caused. Why? Because they were selling a book? Her episode on the Joe Rogan experience was one of the episodes that Spotify employees demanded to have removed from the platform. When she was on Jordan Peterson's podcast, Peterson, who's been on this show before, he has been completely surrounded by controversy for the last four years. He said he was afraid that she was too controversial for him to associate with. He said he had, quote, trepidation about even conducting the interview. Wow. Well. That's exactly the kind of discussion that I think we all need to have. Look, if you're offended by something, get over it. Listen to people who have a different point of view and find out where we can connect or where we're wrong. What you're about to hear is the kind of conversation I had in mind when I created the Glenn Beck podcast. So today, please welcome Abigail Schreier. If you have tried purchasing a firearm or ammunition in the last year, you know, there's been an overwhelming demand from responsible citizens ensuring that they are protecting their Second Amendment rights. Well, they're not just purchasing firearms and ammunition. uh, The demand for ballistic body armor has also never been higher. And like owning a firearm, owning ballistic body armor is the next step to ensure your Second Amendment rights yourself. Make sure your family is protected. Um. I don't know if you've heard, um, I've been talking about AR-500 armor, um, but if you haven't heard about it, let me introduce you. This is one of the keys to protecting yourself and your family. Body armor is also covered under your Second Amendment rights. It's a way to protect yourself, and the folks over at AR-500 armor make buying body armor easy, approachable, and affordable. In fact, with AR500Armor.com, you can buy it online, have it shipped right to your house. AR500 Armor. And they have multiple packages built for people just like you who are looking for various levels of protection. They make the shopping process simple and approachable, and their team is willing to answer any questions that you might have. And best of all, they put together some packages specifically for this audience. So there's something for everybody at ar500armor.com. Best time to prepare was yesterday. The second best is right now. AR500ARMOR.COM slash Beck. Abigail, what does it feel like to be you today?
0: (laughs) Interesting year.
1: (laughs) I bet it has. You are not somebody, I mean, this you know, I got into this business. I knew exactly what I was headed in for. Did you have any idea what you were in for when you started looking into this?
0: No. Um, you know, the world, the world has changed a lot, I think, very quickly. The, the change has accelerated. Certainly, America has changed a lot. And I think that the, sort of the woke takeover has really accelerated in the last few years. So it was, it was possible to start writing a book thinking okay there are going to be some activists who freak out but this is still america they're still gonna sell my book at mm-hmm. target they're still mm-hmm. going to you know abide their commitments to provide books that people want to read and um i sort of you know found a very different you know one year later it's a very different america
1: so, yeah there was a, um, i don't know if you saw what happened today the uh, uh hss has come out and said They've got to stop disinformation. Now, they're using COVID, but they're talking about any kind of medical um, advice that goes against, you know, common practice and common knowledge that it needs to be suppressed and people need to be called out for it. That is that's not going to stay just with COVID. And that, to me, is extraordinarily disturbing, even if it was only about COVID,
0: Yes. I mean, look, my my book's about a medical scandal, which is the total lack of oversight and Of, you know, teenage girls getting access to hormones and surgeries with completely inappropriate lack of of, of any kind of therapeutic or medical oversight. And frankly, um, lack of under, you know, forthrightness on the part of the medical community about, you know, how dangerous some of these drugs are or how risky they are. Um, You know, and all I'm, uh, you know, pushing for is greater discussion and more transparency. And, but
1: um, and yeah. I just want to make clear, you are not against trans people. If if you're an adult and you want to do whatever you want to do, that's what you do. Right.
0: Not only am I not against trans people, I mean, I have not really care for a lot of uh, trans people. I, I know you know, very much now, you know, I'm, I'm close to, but, but not only that, I would say that I'm not even against medical transition. So, um, I, I don't personally have any issues with adults transitioning. And in fact, I've known enough transgender adults that I can say, I honestly believe some of them have been greatly helped by it. Um, what my concern is just that you see a rash of teenage girls who decide with their girlfriends that they're trans. It does not look like traditional gender dysphoria. And rather than, doing any kind of differential diagnosis to make sure that these girls are getting proper treatment, the medical community which is now activist guided is now rubber stamping transitions for teenage girls. This is
1: really frightening and I I was not aware um, at how few um, uh, gender dysphoria uh, cases were happening with with girls um, until your book. I, I mean you would think that it's everywhere now and that's new can you explain that
0: yes so we we've, we've seen this a number of times there've been some wonderful books written about this actually uh um, Daniel, I think Lee Kravitz, um, wrote a wonderful book about this and, and about, about contagions, peer contagions. So, so we've seen suicide do this where people find out about it. And then there's a young teenagers who are in real mental distress, decide that that's, that's the best option for them. So it's um, like a
1: copycat in a way.
0: It it does. Anorexia and bulimia has always spread among teenage girls this way. And now they look to the culture to understand why they feel so bad inside. I mean, they have real anxiety and depression. And and the the, um, explanation that the culture, social media influencers, their their teachers, um, certainly their therapists and social workers at school can't wait to give them is, I know what your problem is. You're probably trans.
1: So this when you've brought up anorexia and uh, bulimia, that was the culture saying, well, because you're fat, because you're not pretty enough, you're whatever. Now, um, uh, now, as we, I think, begin to correct that, we're doing something much, much worse and telling our young girls, you're confused. You should you should have gender uh, transition. Right?
0: That's exactly right. I mean, they're, they're getting it from not only peers and teachers at school, but on online influencers. Remember, they spend most of their time online now. They spend a great deal of time um, and much less time with each other. And online, there are so many influencers who have these very well produced videos, you know, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and who can't wait to tell them that they've never felt better since they went on T, testosterone. And, um, you know, if you don't feel comfortable in your body, if you feel awkward in your body, if you don't feel perfectly feminine you're probably supposed to be a boy
1: i mean but don't a lot of girls you were a tomboy growing up right so don't i mean i've i've known a lot of tomboys that you know were you know are are, didn't need to transition grew out of that um or even if they didn't they, they still are not transgender i mean
0: right because we left them alone we left girls alone we didn't carve up girlhood the way we do today now we examine it the uh in school from kindergarten on they're taught only they know their true gender identity and look at the characteristics of boys and this might mean that you're somewhere on the spectrum between you know perfectly female and you know gen you know non-binary and one of these other you know there are so many at this point exotic gender identities to choose from and so girls are really being coached all over over and then the moment they identify the you know girls who are in pain who are awkward who are struggling to fit in are celebrated so it's a situation where um sorry it's a situation where you know it's it's like they 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 think this might be the explanation and then the moment they commit to it they get more love than they've ever gotten from their peers
1: Mm. and is it happening at the same rate with boys
0: um, you know, it isn't. I mean, well, two things. One, the, the reason that we one of the reasons we know that this is a social contagion, and it really does look like a social contagion, is because girls have never historically experienced this gender dysphoria in any significant numbers. And especially when people did experience it, they always had a childhood history. These are girls with no childhood history. And it's suddenly occurring to them in friend groups in adolescence. So okay, you wait, wait, the, wait, 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 wait. What
1: do you mean? Of, what I, do you mean a history? Well, you know, so, the, go ahead.
0: Gender dysphoria typically began in early childhood, ages two to four. It was began with little children to a um, little kids saying, no, mommy, I'm not a boy. I'm a girl. It was always overwhelmingly male. Most boys would outgrow this. Many would become gay adults and some percentage of them would go on to become what we used to say, call transsexuals. Mm-hmm. And it did afflict women, but a vanishingly small number, 0.003%. So you're talking about one in 30,000 women, very, very small numbers. Um, Today, teenage girls who have no childhood history are the leading demographic of those claiming to have gender dysphoria. This is out of nowhere. It's across the West. There's been an explosion. Um, the UK gender clinic says it's never seen anything like this. And and we're seeing this in America as well. Between 2016 and 2017, the number of gender surgeries for um you know, on natal, on biological females, I can so, get quadrupled. So, what so you're did looking you, at very high numbers. Yeah.
1: What did you find from. I mean, I, I really thought that we had learned the lesson in the progressive genetic craze or, or eugenic craze that uh, doctors slow down, slow down. Um, but it, it is. It, 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 I, I don't know what what happened to these doctors. How come there aren't doctors that are saying, whoa, 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 whoa. let's slow down here because this is a massive, massive change to somebody.
0: So the doctors, believe it or not, mostly agree with me. And they're mostly, I mean, I interviewed a lot of doctors. That's how I was able to write the book. And mostly think this is way too fast with too little oversight and too risky an intervention without. So you know, where are proper- they? Protocols. The, the problem is the activists got into the accrediting organizations and made affirmative care, meaning agreeing with the patient self-diagnosis that became the medical standard. So they have to their job is now to agree with the patient. And then 20 states in America. Passed uh, conversion therapy bans, and they, sn- you know, they snuck in gender identity language, so that the conversion therapy bans, you can lose your license for for so-called conversion therapy if you try to get a young person comfortable in their in their gender, in their in their biological sex, which is the way we have always treated gender dysphoria. Now, the best practitioners are very afraid that if they speak up, they'll lose their licenses.
1: Well, somebody's got to. Do something because you can't fight this out on, on your own. So I don't know about you, but uh, there are times, well, all the time that I'm a little grumbly in my tumbly, as Winnie the Pooh used to say. And um, if you're trying to lose weight or stay healthy, not eat a bunch of crap, it's hard, especially if, I mean, I was raised in a bakery. I live on crap. Um, Built bars are so delicious that you have to actually remind yourself that they're healthy for you. It's all flavor without any of the guilt. They have the grasshopper cookie or any of the other regular flavors. Now at built.com built bar is the official protein bar of the U S Olympic track and field team. Um, And if that doesn't say an amazing protein bar, I don't know what does go to built.com use the promo code Beck 15 and save 15% off your first order. They are really, really delicious. And when you need something, just grab and go. You can get protein bars that, you know, taste a little like a doormat. Or you can get one of the great tasting bars made with real chocolate, 120 calories, four grams of net carbs, um, lots of protein, all the good stuff that you need, and real chocolate. Use the promo code BECK15 for 15% off now at BUILT.com. So these clinics are popping up. We have 300 clinics now in America. So are these doctors that are at these clinics, are these ones who are all on board and they believe it?
0: No. Um, first of all, at these clinics, very often they never see a doctor. Teenage girls will go in. They leave that day with a course of testosterone without even a therapist. That day. No, no,
1: no that psychological day. nothing.
0: No. And in fact, um, um, you know, it depends. The age of con- medical consent varies by state. Fifteen year olds in Oregon can not only get testosterone, they could have their breasts removed without parental permission. Oh, my formation. gosh. Oh, my So gosh. you're You're talking about a real abdication by the medical community. And unfortunately, a lot of the best doctors have quietly shifted their practices so they don't have to deal with this by not seeing these patients um, because they don't they don't want to lose their licenses and they're horrified by what's going on.
1: Gosh, where does this end? I mean, I know I'm skipping ahead here, but where does this end?
0: I think it ends in the courts. Um, but, you know, I, I I hope, you know, there was a real awakening in the UK because a young woman who, um, sued the Cura Bell, sued the gender clinic in the, in the UK and said, look, I was, I was 15 years old when I started this. Nobody, you know, questioned me that I had gender dysphoria. I had a lot of problems and this isn't right. And now I'm, you know, worried I'm sterile and I I have no breasts. I mean, this is. And, and so the U.K. has very much awakened to this. You know, they've, they've stopped um, the gender treatments for minors, the, the earlier protocols they had for, for puberty blockers. They've, they've arrested them in, in Sweden because of concerns that these were far riskier and far less um, um, help, helpful than they had earlier thought. For some reason, you know, they had become convinced that this was the cure for suicide when there really wasn't good data to show that. Um, and um, so every, everywhere else seems to be waking up to this. The US, which is in the grips of woke madness, where you can never question anything the activists tell us, um, we're, we're, we're gonna have a much longer haul.
1: How, how, do we, how are we perceived around the rest of the world in the medical community? I mean,
0: Yeah, I I, I, it's it's worth it's a good question, because, you know, I I have to say that, you know, journalists in the UK say to me all the time, what is going on over there? (laughs) Because they cannot believe that you can't even that the mainstream, you know, non won't even carry a a review of my book, Um, the the mainstream newspaper, the legacy media in in the US. Um, in the UK, this is all mainstream. So I've been, you know, I was a book of the year and by the economist and the times of London, they, they are actually willing to have open dialogue and their doctors are really speaking out. And and we do have a, a good group of doctors that has started to speak out the society for evidence-based medicine, mm. but it's, it's really just getting going. And, and doctors are still very afraid in, in America to lose their jobs.
1: I I'm, I'm so afraid. I mean, um, Uh, What's his name? President Eisenhower talked about this very thing in uh, his farewell address. He wasn't just talking about the military industrial complex. He talked about the scientific and educational complex, that if you get money and politics involved, it's going to spiral out of control and. Uh, I mean I don't I don't even know how we got here on this you know we we've, we've said for a long time well that's a slippery slope and people, that's not a slippery how did we get here
0: Yes, it, it's going to get a lot worse. So, so obviously there's been something of an institutional takeover. You know, a lot of the institutions that were, including the medical accrediting organizations that were supposed to protect patients. But we have a big problem in the US and it's only getting worse. And the reason is, is, you know, a lot of good doctors have de- debunked the activists um, research, which is really, really shoddy research. But right now in America, all the funding is for activists to do mm-hmm. their research. So they're pumping out this research that is, it takes, you know, it's getting debunked, but it takes some time. Meanwhile, they are trying to make the case, even in some medical journals, that parents' custody should be taken away. They should, Parents should lose their kids if they don't immediately affirm a young teen who says they're transgender. If they don't immediately put them on a track to transitions and, and surgery, you know, hormones and surgeries. This is the stuff that's appearing in our medical journals. It is a nonstop trans activism celebration zone. Um, so so we're in for for a really rough road, a uh, continued rough road ahead, I think, in this country.
1: You wrote a, a story for The City Journal um, about a Pakistani immigrant named Ahmed. Can you can you tell that story?
0: Sure. So I was called, um, this was a parent who reached out to me in October of last year, uh, 2020. And he, he said, um, that, um, he had dropped his suicidal, um, child off at, it was a son off at children's hospital in Seattle. And he was a teenager and, um, and he, was, he couldn't be there with his son because his son was, you know, because it was during COVID. Mm-hmm. But the doctors, he started getting notes from the hospital. He checked his son in and the, the boy was autistic. He had a lot of problem. you know, had gotten very depressed during Damn. COVID. And that he started getting notes from the hospital. You know, we'd like to talk to you about your daughter. And in the state of Washington, where he called me for the age in which mental health, gender affirming mental health therapy, um, which can include, you know, You know, encouraging progress to hormones and surgeries Um, that that um, that can begin at 13. So this boy who was in who had admitted to their care, the man called me in a panic, realizing he might not get his son back if he didn't go along with this. Um, and, and then, you know, I, I, I talked to more and more parents. You know, I listened to his story. I, I tried to help him. And then I, I talked to more and more parents in these states. And there are a lot of them now. Gender, you know, gender affirming care or mental health care is available to very young teens. Parents can't even know about it. Doctors aren't even allowed to tell the parents about it. And insurers can't notify parents. So the, the they're really shifting power from Um, from parents to young teens who are often under the influence of activists.
1: So what is what what is the goal of the activist? Uh, Because I, I, you know, I have a lot of gay friends, uh, I have gay employees. We've worked together for 20 years. We're great friends. No problems. And they will say to me, I'm not part of that. You know, they, they believed in gay marriage, everything else. But they they were they're like, okay, okay, wait, what's happening? It's gone over a cliff. Who are these people that are the activists?
0: So so I'll I'll go even further than when you said not only is this not about gay people, it's not even about trans people because transgender people. And I know a lot of them at this point are lovely. They're wonderful. Mm -hmm. Americans. They are living good, healthy lives. Um, the activists, the woke activists are are whether you're talking about Black Lives Matter or critical race theory or gender ideology, they are very often the exact same group. They are, you know, completely committed to recruiting revolutionaries. They are completely committed to disrupting nuclear, you know, the American yeah. family and attacking you know, attacking the nuclear family. and, Um, They they want to sow chaos and they're really effective at doing it.
1: It is remarkable to me because I I look at um, CRT and I I just can't think of anything, uh, any way to describe that other than evil, because it only sows chaos. It tells people you can't do it because these people who are irredeemable, there is no forgiveness. These people are in your way. So get them. I think that's right. pretty darn evil. And it feels like that's what is happening to us, that there's this there's this force of people out there who are just living for destruction of everything that we know historically is good.
0: That's right. Um you know, critical race theory teaches children to hate each other and hate themselves. And gender ideology tells young people to hate their own bodies. It tells them that there's something wrong with them if they don't feel, feel perfectly feminine or perfectly comfortable at 13 in a very fast changing body. Um, it is an incredibly destructive ideology and it's being promulgated in many, many public school systems across the country. And it's even worse than that. They often hide it in the curriculum. So in California, they don't put it in the sex ed curriculum. And it's not just California. I was recently told another public school system did this as well. They don't put it in the in the, in the sex ed curriculum because they, parents can opt out of that. They stick it in the anti-bullying curriculum. Mm. So parents didn't even know it was being taught.
1: Um, let's talk about the ones that are most uh, affected. Let's talk about the children and uh, the parents. If you're a parent, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been sideswiped so many times by my children. You're like, wait, what? What is that? Uh, you didn't even know. Um, what are the early signs for parents? And talk to me about the the, the girls.
0: Right. So this goes along with certainly anxiety and depression, which we've seen a lot of in these teenage girls. Uh, these are the highest rates of that ever recorded. And um, and it goes along with having trouble fitting in socially, which, which afflicts virtu- virtually every teenage girl. And the early signs is they start, first of all, spending a lot of time on social media, because a lot of times they'll get it within social media. And their friends, their group of friends, will often come out as trans together. That's one of the, you know, most obvious mm. signs of peer contagion and so they'll start saying first they usually come out as i'm not i'm not straight mom i'm pansexual mm. keep in mind these are girls who often have had zero sexual experience they've never even held a boy or a girl's hand so these these girls aren't spending much time with their peers in person they're spending a lot of time online and they reach for these exotic gender and sexual identities that give them cover in a in a really scary sort so of, wait, wait. Uh,
1: so what what is it that they are I mean, I knew how I felt about girls and I'm sure gay men knew exactly how they felt about boys. You, um, you just feel differently. So what is the, what, what is it that they're feeling that makes them say I'm pansexual?
0: So it's a little different for, for these girls. First of all, they have spent far less time with each other. Boys and girls were left alone. Um, especially into adolescence, much more than these kids are today. So they're very immature. And I mean that Mm -hmm. in a sort of romantic sexual development sense. They don't know what they want. They've never spent enough time in person to get
1: exposed. They're exposed to so much horrific stuff so early.
0: That's right. And they're also exposed to online porn. That's right. Violence.
1: So so what does that do to them? Let me me just my my son. I remember the first time he saw porn because it devastated him. He was probably nine and stumbled onto something on the Internet. And it was he was I mean, he was shook for a long time. It was something not, you know, not normal. Um, And uh, and I just remember him for a long time being shook by that. So that's
0: exactly right yeah so these girls are seeing really horrific porn they're seeing choking and at very young ages like you said you're with your son at nine very young ages you know 9, 10 11 they're seeing this and it terrifies them Meanwhile they don't have time alone with their girlfriends they don't have time alone with boys they're're they all they're with mom or on the internet all the time so their own real you know romantic and sexual development is very arrested and they just know it's not great to be a white girl today so they can choose. They try to choose one of these other identities that might get them a little more, um, you know, celebration. At wow. School.
1: Wow. I never even thought of that. The pressure just to not be in a special category. Yeah. So what do what do parents do?
0: Well, there are a few things you can do, and it really depends on the age. You know, the earlier, the better. But one of the big things is social media. I mean, my own view is we have to get young teens off it completely. They should absolutely not be allowed on it. you have teenage we, kids? I do not.
1: Okay, I do. I it's mean, that's, uh, it's not impossible. I just don't know how to do it.
0: Well, let me just say this. You're talking about a a straight line between social media and cutting self-harm, depression, anxiety. I mean, all kinds of psychological misery. So, So let's just say the risks are so severe. It's just a no brainer to me. I kind of don't care what you have to do. My, you know, my kids are not yet in their teen years, but you know, when, when they are, we will get them a flip phone. They're just not going to have a phone with them. They're not a smartphone. Um, Now, obviously, if you're talking about an 18 year old, you know, the older they get, it's harder, But, but certainly 13, 14, do not introduce it. Second of all, absolutely oppose gender ideology in the school. Okay. It, there's no reason we can't show compassion for trans identified kids without, um, indoctrinating an entire population in gender confusion.
1: So what does that mean? What are we, what, what are you standing up against?
0: Find out if gender ideology is taught in your school. The answer, it probably is. Okay. Find out if your kids are hearing about exotic identities at school. And go in and tell and don't stand for it. Tell them you don't want that being taught to your kids. You you really they, they should not be indoctrinated in the idea that there might be something fundamentally wrong with their bodies, especially for teenagers who are concerned that they're that they are ugly, that there is something wrong with them. And frankly, most of these kids had never had the thought until they were introduced to it by social media.
1: It is. um To be a parent is overwhelming. I have kids that are in their 30s and I have kids that are now just getting, you know, uh, to the end of high school. And the world was scary enough when I was raising, you know, the 30-year-olds young. Now, it it, is just, it's, it's everything. It is everything that is coming at the kids. There is no... You know, people say all the time, I, well, I grew up and I knew about that and I'm fine. We, yeah, because the water you were floating in was generally good. And then there'd be a piece of garbage or sewage that would come by every once in a while. We're now floating in sewage. And if you're lucky, something good will pass by.
0: That's right, that's exactly right and parents need to know about that. I mean you know it you know the the parent the teachers I interviewed in the public school system in California for my book um, told me that parent rights end at the school door when when you drop your kids off oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Basically, your rights are over and that is the act that is the attitude of unfortunately a lot of social worker activists um, and a lot of teachers and, and and therapists their attitude is I know you know I, am, I may only see you for 45 minutes you know one 45 minute session but you and I know that you're really this new identity and let me affirm you and further confuse you
1: How fast do you think it's coming to where we could lose our kids to, to the state where we don't where you don't behave right um you've lost your kids
0: that's already happening i mean as i wrote in in in, uh the city journal piece parents custody is being threatened um and, and and social workers and 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 um therapists and doctors are literally um, going along with this idea that if you don't affirm your kid, you are committing an act of abuse and you are now an abusive parent um, and the t- child should be taken from you. We're, yeah. we're seeing this being reported. And um, you know, I happen to know certain ongoing cases um, where parents can't yet come forward, but this is very much the issue.
1: There, there doesn't seem to be um, any safe place to run. You know, in in America, we for people who still, I think, have common sense, um, there doesn't seem uh, to be a safe place where you can go and go, oh, whew, thank goodness there is no right. place.
0: So here's what I'll say. There's no safe place, but there is safe people. If we can realize that this is not a red blue issue. Okay. This is not, Oh, it's those crazy blue states. This is everywhere. Yeah. And if we can come together, I truly believe this. If we can come together with Americans of all political stripes, parents, and there are across most of the parents who reach out to me who are horrified are liberal it, conservatives and liberals really need to come together on this and oppose the woke indoctrination of their children and the corruption of their kids with gender ideology. So uh, so how do we
1: do it? Because I know conservatives and uh, I don't care what anybody calls me. And I think there's a lot of people in the audience that feel the same way. You've called me everything under the sun already. What how much worse could it get? But there's a lot of people that we know the minute we say something like you, you're uh, transphobic, you're, you know, a Puritan, whatever it is. So how do we approach this? How do we bridge the gap with people that we don't necessarily always agree with?
0: Well, you know, my my advice is to just speak clearly and, you know, without being, you know, you know, uh, offensive on purpose. But I, I don't mean I don't mean go around offending people, but just speak clearly about your concerns. It's something I've I've tried to do. And and, and, and you know, I, I certainly, you know, do not, you know, um, countenance bigotry, but this isn't about bigotry. This is about the harm to young girls and young people, and no adequate oversight. Oversight. This is about common sense. And if you just keep it in those terms, which really, really is where it belongs, mm-hmm. I, I think I think we could win on this.
1: So it, it, I, I'm afraid that so many things are like um, uh, are like CRT, where you can stand up against it and you think you won, but you haven't. It's just morphed. Um, they will come out and tell you and then they realize, oh, crap, uh, not everybody likes this. And so then they'll they'll fight it for a while. Then they'll start to claim, which they are on CRT. That's not even taught. That's not even taught. It's nowhere. And as you say, it's in the curriculum. It's just not where you think it is.
0: Right. So there may be no hope for the public school system. Let me just say that outright. I don't know that there's any hope there.
1: Um, Wait, 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 that's a big statement. Wow.
0: right, but but we're I I mean, just to be honest, it's so thoroughly infiltrated. You have teachers behaving like activists across the country who have no interest in actually teaching. They they believe their job is to remake your child. Uh, We're seeing so much evidence of that. Mm. I think it's fair to say that it may be too deeply rooted in the ideology being taught in public school i'm not sure i mean i, I i'm not sure that the public school system is redeemable at this point i be- just i don't know i think it's an open question yeah, I, um i wonder medical- i wonder
1: how much of our society is redeem i mean it feels like we you know i hate to use this phrase because it's it's uh, something that is actually not good but it feels like we do need a reset i mean uh except on on values. And I think we're getting a reset right now that is taking us into very dark, dark, dark places that, <laughs> you know, if we don't come together and say, I'm out, I'm out of that. It's going to get right. I go ahead. I
0: think. I think we, we could have a reset in lots of parts of the country. I'm not sure the public, I think the public school system is gonna lag behind um, and, and continue with this ideology for quite some time. Um, but I do think that parents are waking up every day across the political spectrum to what's being you know, done to their children, how that, their minds are being warped. But that and
1: will I, be, if we give up on the public school, that will leave trapped a lot of people in the public school and then we are balkanized. Then then we I mean, I'm already having a hard time saying, wait a minute, you believe you really believe there's ninety nine genders. Where where did that come from? I'm already having a hard time understanding the other side and the other side is having a hard time understanding me. We pull our kids out of the public school. Um, what happens to the rest of America that can't pull their kid out of public school.
0: Well, if enough of us pull our kids out of public school, I think they'll feel the pressure of to compete with the schools that are actually attracting better yeah. families and better students. They're okay. going to say, "Wow, this all of this wokeness didn't do us very much good."
1: I think they did. Uh, they just did this in Missouri and uh, I was <laughs> I just had to laugh at the teachers union. They said You know, they don't care about your kids at all. They just want to make money. These private um, uh, institutions where there's no accountability. And I'm like, where's the accountability in a public school right now? Where is the public uh, accountability? Um, um, Let's change and talk a little bit about the freedom of speech aspect. Sure. Um, I just did a show last night about covid and i talked about the different theories on lab or if it was natural and we don't have an answer yet but we have we have people trying to tell us now that you can't even ask the question can you can you talk a little bit about censorship and and why it is so important to have a diverse set of views, especially on something like this?
0: Well, the, you know, obviously, there, you, you know, there, we're never going to be able to get transgender people proper care. And we're never going to get, be able to get our teenage girls proper care unless we can openly discuss risks. And right now we can't. Okay. If we if we can't openly discuss medical protocols, they will never improve. So
1: when, so when, when are we going to see the results of these girls that are having having the surgery and getting the hormones now? When do we start to see the backlash of that?
0: Well, we're already seeing. If you go on YouTube. thousands of young women coming forward and saying, you know, this gender was not my problem. I regret what was done to me. I can't believe there was inadequate oversight Mm. for this. What, you know, why did, why did everyone push me to this? We're, we're, we're seeing that already. Um, Mm. I would just say that, you know, people have this misguided idea that they, that the threats to free speech can only come from the government. And I think we thought that for a long time, because we couldn't Mm -hmm. imagine corporations that were vastly, more powerful Mm -hmm. than the government Mm -hmm. but that's what we have now
1: yeah i think the 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 corporations i've always been i've always hated those they're like uh you know i work for the corporation and you're watching the movie and you're like oh geez Uh, and the government's turned into a corporation i've always hated that but it's right it's what has happened to us i mean it's crazy because Liberals were the ones who kept saying that they put it in all the movies and everything else. They kept saying that. And now they're the ones standing behind the corporations and the people that are on my side of the aisle who have always been for the freedom of, you know, the entrepreneur and the business. We're now going, wait, it's turned into exactly the dystopian future you warned us about. How come you can't see that?
0: To, to be honest, though, I, I think a lot of conservatives are afraid to go after the, these big tech corporations, frankly. They say, oh, um, you know, uh, you know, maybe Amazon or, you know, any of these huge, you know, multinationals is entitled to, you know, carry whatever it wants. And we can never have anything to say to it. You know, if, you, if Twitter wants to n- kick off the president, maybe Twitter's entitled to do that. You know, I believe in free markets. Uh, what they don't I I think what they fail to grasp is that when you have, you know, booksellers that that control the vast majority of books in this country. And in fact, the the you know, it has the impact has a profound impact on whether books will ever get published. Um, They're no longer just a local bookshop and they no longer should be able to just delete a book.
1: So what's going to happen with you now? Where are you headed? What do you I mean, what is in store for you?
0: Well, I'm, I'm hoping to return to write another book about this generation because I'm in Gen Z. Those born 1995 and after are very, you know, they're in a lot of pain. They're in a lot of distress and um, they're really interesting to me. So, I, you know, my, my plan is to write another book yeah, about good. them. I,
1: I will tell you, I don't think I mean, I think this is the greatest experiment, you know, On on humans that has ever been conducted, Uh, we are introducing them to technology that none of us have any idea what the long term effects are going to be. We're getting an idea now Um, with covid. We're just putting our kids away. We're seeing the suicide rates and the drug uh, use uh, go through the uh, go through the roof. I can't imagine growing up in today's society. How that would affect me twenty five years down the road
0: yeah if 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 we don't really stay, start taking some serious action, I think um I, uh, these kids are in in bad shape, they're in big trouble and 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 some of that action does have to be parents putting limits on things like smartphones well, and oh, yeah
1: i think you're I i mean you know about the algorithm that google worked on a year ago and i think facebook just implemented it to where they are looking at your text your tweets everything else to see what you believe and if you believe something that is not in line with the woke community you're going to start getting propaganda they're going to start filling your news feed
0: yes and that's the next thing i was going to say which is that frankly we're all quite addicted to this stuff. You mm. know, I include myself in that. And a lot of this technology is turning out to be quite dangerous for us in a, in a whole bunch of ways, including the division it's created um, among us. So, so we really are going to have to push back on, you know, the way tech has been, have, has been really pushing us around for far too long.
1: Yeah, I, um, I don't know if you're religious at all, but I, I, uh, I think of the tower of Babel story a lot, Um, because it's not a tale of people going bad. It's a a tale of the people at the very top going bad and making everybody the same, making them into bricks. You know, you got to toe the line. You got to be exactly like that. And we can do anything if every, if we look at all of the society and everybody's a brick. Um, and it was, and God came down and confused their language. And I thought, you know, the problem here is, is our language is ones and zeros, And it would be helpful if it was confused, you know, and I've never, ever felt that way about technology. But I it is starting to be a little overwhelming um, in its size and scope and power.
0: I mean, I think at the very least that we you know, there are many things that the government should push back on. But one of them is if these carriers are carrying private messages between people, they have begun to, as you just Mm -hmm. said, um, you know, edit our pr- and censor our private metas- messages. They really, if if they are acting like the phone company, they shouldn't be listening to our calls.
1: Exactly right, Abigail. Thank you so much. We'll keep you in our prayers, and uh, thank you for having the uh, the brains to navigate through and the cojones to actually continue standing and saying, "I'm going to keep going." Good for you. Thank, thank you
0: so much. God thank bless. you.
1: You bet. Thanks.